power of Castle Hate Skull, I am Hellamore Corley! The lightning bolt comes down. Oh my God, he's transforming. When you see me on the street, it's Prince Mark. When you see me in the studio, when you see me on Instagram, it's Hella Mark Harley. Don't get it twisted. What's up? I'm back. It's your boy. Episode four coming in hot because all oh, you guys smashed that subscribe button, left a like, left a comment, told me how amazing you think this podcast was. You said, oh my God, it was the best podcast of September 2021 as voted on by Podcast Magazine. We're in the running for October as well. Please go vote every day. There's no limit on how many times you could vote on bestpodcastmonthly.com. So go there right now before you even watch the episode, throw in a vote, throw in 10. I love you guys. Thank you so much for the support. Man, we have another absolute banger of an episode today. We're going to be doing a bunch of segments. Who knows? I'm going to keep it a surprise. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to feel like doing five minutes from now, let alone the next beat of this show. I did, however, have some votes. You guys chimed in. You guys said, Mark, the opening of the show was great last time. The way you were flexing and showing off your muscles from different angles. It was so cool. But we want to see with the shirt off. And I said, I, you know, guys, I'm not really comfortable taking my shirt off all the time. But if that's what you want to see, if that's what you want to see, okay, I guess I could do it, okay? Ah! You really think you, you really think I wouldn't show off this fucking back? Huh? You really think I wouldn't hit you with the lat spread? Is that even can you can you just back up a little bit? I feel like the is the camera angle wide enough? to get in all that mass, to get, uh, 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 flexing, not even flexing that hard. You're flexing, stop projecting onto me. That's psychological projection and you know it. Yes, I'm Sigmund Freud. That's just a little taste, okay? If you guys like that, leave a comment. Say, Mark, that was the most amazing post on we've ever seen. Could you do it again next week? Maybe let's take off the pants this time. I don't know. I mean, this is a PG-13 podcast. I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to check in with network, okay? I'm going to talk to my executive producers and the people who run this whole organization and see if I'm allowed to show my dingling on camera. Maybe they'll just have to bleep it out. I don't know, okay? Let's start the show. Okay, now that I've had a chance to catch my breath, put my shirt back on. Calm down just a little bit, not totally. I want to be right in the, that sweet spot of kind of excited, kind of just cool, you know, like kind of relaxed, like chill, like, hey, does it even bother me? It's whatever, like keep talking, all this chatter online. I don't give a shit about it. Here I am right now giving you the business. It's time for another sup full where I tell you guys, sup full, what's going on with my life? So, had a couple things I wanted to talk to you about. I'm not much of a drinker, but I have occasionally drunk alcohol in my life. It's just, I don't have a problem with it. Sure, I got a problem with lots of things. Alcohol just isn't one of them. However, when it comes to fitness, a recurring theme that I'll hear people talk about is, you know, I'm doing everything right. Uh, I'm eating this, I'm working out like that. Sounds great. And they leave out the part where, you know, maybe they're drinking every single night. One of the things I've found is that drinking um, is something that people kind of put in a different category than maybe other aspects of their nutrition. So uh, this can be a huge factor in whether or not you're hitting your fitness goals because just calories alone, okay? We're not even talking about, you know, the effect that it can have on your sleep, which alcohol does affect REM sleep. Uh, just like many substances, any stimulants, any marijuana, THC, anything you're uh, putting in your body, probably, you know, if it's, if it's psychoactive in any way, probably has an effect on your sleep. Alcohol does that. Alcohol affects many cells in your body. But we're not going to be talking about that specifically. We're just going to talk about it calorically, right? If you're trying to lose weight and you're consuming alcohol uh, multiple drinks on a daily basis, that alone could be the thing that puts you out of a caloric deficit and essentially negates all your goals. So I was talking with a client this week who, you know, he's functioning. It wasn't interfering with his life, but he was drinking a lot. 
he was getting after it, working out really hard and seeing results as far as strength, but he was still uh, not seeing the kind of weight loss that he really wanted. And so I broke it down for him, you know, that, you know, a shot of whiskey can be this many, I think it's a hundred up the top of my head. In order to lose a pound of fat, for example, in theory, you're needing to burn off 3,500 calories because that's how many calories are in a pound of fat. So in a week, for example, if you created a 500 calorie deficit, either from diet alone or exercise alone, or a combination of the two, if you ate 250 less calories and burned 250 more calories per day compared to uh, the stasis that your body was in, you know, if you were maintaining your weight for months and months, and then you made this little adjustment, in theory, you could lose a pound a week by uh, creating an additional deficit of 500 calories. But you could be doing all that right, exercising more, eating less. But if you're having five drinks a night, then that's going to completely negate that. I challenged my client to calculate how many calories he was consuming from alcohol on a weekly basis. And often if you do have a, you know, a substance issue, uh, dependency, or just any sort of abuse, even mild abuse, you're not necessarily tracking that. And I think that's part of it psychologically is you want to you know, compartmentalize it and make it seem like, oh, I'm not drinking that much, I'm just having a few drinks and not really do the math of how it's adding up. Well, turns out he did his homework and came back to me and said, I was consuming 11,000 calories a week just in alcohol. And I wasn't thinking about it until I you know, threw one of my bottles away and it hit two other bottles and I realized, holy shit, I'm drinking a lot more than I realized. 11,000 calories, if we do that math, right, is the caloric equivalent of that three pounds of fat in a week. So you could, you could be on pace to lose three pounds a week from where you're at now and completely negate that with drinking in this case. I know not everybody's gonna drink that much, but some people might be drinking more. So it's something I've seen time and again with people where you can be doing everything right as far as your workouts, as far as your diet, but still be gaining weight or just negating what you would already lose. So if you're somebody who is interested in losing weight and is still drinking heavily or multiple times a week, I would encourage you to, to not even just jump straight into like, I need to stop right away. But the first step uh, is admitting you have a problem. The first step is hitting the calculator and saying, how many calories am I giving up to alcohol that I could eat with food or whatever? Because again, if you're eating 11,000 calories of donuts a week, you're probably aware of that and probably have some sense of like, I shouldn't be eating, you know, these 20 donuts a week or whatever that is. But for some reason, when it comes to alcohol, we kind of treat it as a different thing. But when it comes to your weight loss and fitness goals, your body doesn't give a shit. So confront the reality of how much you're drinking. Boom. There. Did I solve alcoholism worldwide? I think I did it. I think I did it, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm doing a service for the world, I think. And that's the important thing to me. It's not about the flexing or the looking cool or having this amazing hair. It's, it's, it's about more than that. It's about changing the world. The other thing that I wanted to bring up that I want to hear about you guys, because sometimes I have these, these issues in the gym and I'm like, maybe I'm the dick. Maybe I'm not. Maybe the other guy's a dick, but I'll let you guys Tell me, you can comment and, and see whose side you on. Are you side me or side this other guy that I'm about to tell you about? So I do this thing in the gym where when people say, like, if you're in the gym and there's like a 10-pound plate on a rack or something like that, like, you know, there's weight trees everywhere at every machine at every bench station, there's 45s and 10s and 25s and 5s. Obviously, I'm never going to take a weight off of a bar that somebody is using, but I've gotten the habit of just like, if I see a 25 and nobody's using it, I'm going to grab it. I'm not going to go like, oh, excuse me, are you using this 20? Because they're not using it, right? If it's not on the bar or on the machine that you're using, this is a public gym. This is all shared community property. It's everybody's weights. A few times it's happened where I go up to grab a weight and somebody goes, I'm using that. And now, cool, maybe you were about to use it. That's awesome. I'm not going to like, if you say that, I'm not going to then still take it like, no, it's mine. But I found that I can sort of let it off my chest, this little annoyance by going, 
but you're not using it. And then I walk away because you're not using it. If it's not on the bar that you're using, you're not using the weight. And we're in a gym where we all pay the same amount of money. So I went up to go grab a 45, I'm on the incline bench, uh, working out with somebody and behind me was a, a flat bench. Now I'm actually doing incline bench on the incline bench like God intended. Behind me, there's a guy who's doing curls uh, on the flat bench station. And he had 75 pounds in there, the bar, a 10 out of five. I saw that there wasn't any 45s at my incline station. I turn around and grab a 45 pound plate or go to grab a 45 pound plate. And he goes, I'm using that. And I say, oh, but you're not using it. And then I turn around and he goes, this is like the third time you've done that. I don't know why you have to always come up to me. And, and I, he's ranting at me like, oh my God, this is some issue. I guess I had maybe said that to him once before, but it was just once, not twice, not three times, whatever. And again, I was about to turn around. I let him rant at me and kind of like excoriate me for, you know, being uh, somebody who pointed out that he isn't using a 45 pound plate on his bar currently to do curls in the bench rack. I let him finish. And then I went into my point or at least I tried to, in which I would explain to him that unless you are currently using that weight, it's public property. We all pay the same amount of money. You're not using it right now. 45 pound plates are not like the two and a half pound plates and maybe there's only two of them in the whole gym. And I totally understand if, oh, I wanted to put on exactly 190 pounds and that's going to require the two and a half pound plates. It's not that. It's there are 30 45 pound plates that I can see right now in front of me. And you just called that yours. Number one, it's not yours. You don't own it. You didn't bring it to the gym. You're not using it right now. The 45 pound plates are abundant. And the same logic, if I extended that, would apply to any machine I intended to use going into the gym, right? When I walk in and go, oh, I'm going to use that leg press in 20 minutes. You can't go on it right now. Or, oh, I'm, on, I'm using 20 pound dumbbells, but I may use the hundreds at the end of my workout. Those are mine. I take issue with the language. I take issue with the lack of, uh, uh, you know, sharing mentality because we're all in this together. If anybody came up to me on a machine uh, and says, how many sets you got? I used to kind of be, be a dick and say, I have a hundred left. Now I go, you want to work in? That's my first response. I would never deny somebody working in because this is not my equipment. It's not my machine. So anyway, that's what I tried to get out. He interrupted me multiple times. <clears throat> Wouldn't let me finish. Kept saying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, wouldn't let me get out a point. It was just very rude. I think he was obviously hyped up and felt like I was attacking him, but I was just trying to get across this point that, look, I'm not going to take your weight, but the point I'm making is this isn't yours. It's not mine. We're all here together. And shit like this doesn't seem to happen at like zoo culture, for example, a more serious gym where I get along with everybody and everybody gets along with each other. But at these weird commercial gyms, it's like, I don't know, people, you know, while accusing me of having bad gym etiquette, my take on him is maybe you got bad gym etiquette, you know, maybe you're the one who needs to learn how to lift, but I don't know, maybe I'm the dick, maybe I'm in the wrong, please chime in, I will accept all opinions, if this has ever happened to you, you can tell me about it and tell me, actually, Mark, you're the biggest dick in the gym. And I'm going to say, no, I have the biggest dick in the gym. Oh, shit. Don't talk to me. That's fall. What's up now? Oh, what's side? Next up, we have another. This is why we can't have nice gyms. Because this, what I'm about to show you, is the main reason that we can't have nice gyms. Okay? And it's people doing partial reps. We're going to take a little look at a video compilation of people doing the most ridiculous short reps. Usually it happens with stuff like bench press with squats with leg press or people are doing these tiny little repetitions and i'm gonna put a caveat here that you know there is a place for partial reps in the world of bodybuilding and fitness but the reason that it comes off as so silly in all of these cases is because you're never seeing like a super buff or in shape guy do it you're always seeing somebody who's doesn't really have enviable results you're looking at somebody who um <laughs> doesn't have a great physique, who isn't that strong, who's using an amount of weight that is too much for them to handle. Uh, and it seems as though they're convincing themselves that they're repping with 315 on the bench, when in reality, 
they're only moving at a few inches, right? Uh, they're convincing themselves that they're squatting with six plates and really they're barely bending their knees. I've been in a position before where people will come up to me at the gym and this is one of the most annoying things. I hate when people come up to me and like co-opt me into their workout. Like I remember I was at Gold's in Hollywood one time and this guy's like, hey, could you help me uh, put, put these 120s on? And it's like, the guy's like six foot tall, 130, like super skinny. And I'm like, what do you do? What, what move could you possibly be doing with these 120 pound dumbbells that you can't even on your own lift up to your shoulders? Now, I didn't feel like being that big of a dick where like, I'm not gonna help you. So I'm like, sure, I'll lift that. I, cause, you know, and then part of me is like, I wanna see what you're doing too. So I help him lift the 120s to his shoulder. And I'm not gonna stand up to do this, but the range of motion was like this. Like if you were maybe 20 feet away, I don't know if you could even see him moving it. So he was doing like a knee bend, a slightly knee bend. And in his mind, I guess he's squatting, I don't know. And you wanna ask that person like, what do you think you're doing? Where did you pick this up from? Where did you learn to do that? Or where, at what point did you become convinced that this was going to lead to some sort of uh, result as far as hypertrophy or conditioning? Um, the other day I was at zoo and <laughs> this kid didn't just get me, he got me and Brendan. He said, hey, could I get you guys to spot me? And we walk over to a bar loaded with 315 and I'm like, oh, maybe he's doing squats. In which case it's like, you know, I, I don't use a spotter when I do squats or I don't need one because if you learn how to dump the weight correctly, I actually don't really need it. I get it, it can be dangerous, but you know, that's my preference or I'll set some pins. I just think, you don't necessarily need a squatter, you know, and if you're able to, to handle 315, like there's many ways in which you could be working out alone and squat very safely. This guy had me go on one side, Brendan go on the other. And the exercise he was doing was to uh, unrack the weight, take a step back and stand on one leg. And I think he called it something, you know, that sounds impressive, like a uh, one leg isometric hold, whatever it is, but it's like, you're doing nothing, right? If you wanna strengthen your leg, do a one leg squat or a lunge or any uh, you know uh, isolation exercise, uh, one leg at a time, right? But balancing on one leg is pointless. Use a lower weight, go through a full range of motion and you actually still get that balance work in more difficult parts of the range of motion. But you know to really stress your body to the point that it's gonna do anything, I mean, you would, it would just take a much more weight actually. Uh, you know, to, to really create something. And again, athletically, like, does that have any carryover if you're just standing straight with one leg, like there's no bend in your knee even? So that type of stuff just annoys me because it's like, you're coming to the gym doing something stupid and then co-opting other people into it. But, you know, oftentimes we're looking at this video and, and we're seeing people, the three inch bench press here, you know, this guy should be working out with 135, right? Why doesn't he take weight off the bar? This guy's got four plates in the squat. Ah, uh, let's see, let's guess what his range of motion is just by the muscle mass that he has, right? Not, that's like an eighth squat, right? Not even a quarter squat. What does he think he's doing? And of course, the telltale signs of gym fuckery. The gloves on wall squatting. What are you doing, sir? How did you learn that? This guy, oh my God, he's doing even less than that, right? And he's flipping his elbows around like, and then people make stuff up. Like, what is this? I don't even know what this is. And you'll see this a lot. I saw this the other day. This guy came up to me and he was like, he wanted to start a conversation all about like the bodybuilders he knows, but then he's working out like that. You just, I want to investigate in these people's heads and go, how did you pick up this strategy, right? Has this ever yielded a result? Are you working through a progressive overload? And of course the classic leg press, this guy's got like 10 plates on, Let's just take a go. And he's got like the knee wraps on. Oof, that hurts my legs just looking at it because he has to do the explosive hyper extension of his knees for each rep. I mean, that's a fucking accident waiting to happen. You know, he's just got way too much in the bar doing no range of motion. It sucks. Now, I'm going to say this. When I was growing up training, when I was like 17, I actually did a whole training block um, that involved just partial reps. You can look up this book, it's called Power Factor Training. And it was like these two bodybuilders who looked very impressive, had a lot of muscle obviously, and wrote this whole book that appealed to me because it was very scientific sounding. Now in retrospect, I don't think the science fully plays out, but they were like, you can tax the muscle by doing these partial controlled reps 
um, in specific ranges of motion, but you would set up, they'd have, have you set up like pins and do like, you know, the heaviest weight you can do for like 20 reps through a shorter range of motion. And then you calculate it at the end. There's some advanced formula that they have uh, where you'd like calculate your power output. But the idea was you're doing like partial lat pulldowns, partial bench, partial leg press, but you're actually advancing through weight and through total workout volume. And so funny enough, it actually did work. I actually put on muscle and combined it a little bit with the full range of motion stuff that I was doing and, and I got results in some lifts, but like a full range squat eh, doesn't help that. Um, actually led to, you know, I got some injuries that season in football that I think had I been doing a full range of motion, it probably wouldn't have happened. But I remember there was a guy who came up to me like this trainer and I'm 17 and I'm like, you know, 220. Uh, it's not like I didn't, I looked like I didn't know what I was doing and, and had been training, uh, in a more systematic full range of motion manner before that, this guy who was like clearly juiced out of his head and in a gym in San Rafael acting like that entitled him to kind of walk around the place. Like he owned the bitch. Um, he came up to me and tried to correct me. And he's like, you know, you guys really should take half the weight off and, you know, go through a full range of motion. That really pissed me off. And I didn't snap at him or anything, but I like, you know, tried to explain like, oh, it's actually, we're doing this book, this program. And he was just completely dismissive of that. Like, you know, oh, well, that's so stupid, obviously. But you know, it was something that we were looking into. In retrospect, of course, I look at that and go, maybe I would do the same thing. But I try not to go up to these people and, and correct anybody. If I see them in the gym, I'm not gonna correct your form or tell you that you should go through a full range of motion because obviously, <laughs> and I'm one of those people in this story, I didn't wanna hear it at the time. I do think you do have to kind of come to that conclusion on your own and nobody can, take you through that. But I do remember him going up to like, I walked past him. Uh, he didn't realize I was there and he was talking to a client and he was like, they were both like laughing about it. Like, I didn't know whether to laugh at him or try to correct him or, you know, and that always stuck in my craw as something like, you know, that this guy wasn't curious about what we're doing. He just wanted to correct. And so that's why I always, you know, have this approach of curiosity, like what, what made you do this? Maybe there is a reason. Maybe you're training something specifically. Maybe you want to get really strong in that last few inch, inches of the bench press. Or maybe you just don't know what the fuck you're doing. And because of that, <laughs> because people 99% of the time, so this guy was, you know, in, in a lot of ways, right to assume that I just had no idea what I was doing, even though I was convinced that, you know, I had some revolutionary program that I was tapping into. Most of the time, when you're doing partial reps like that, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. So, in today's age of YouTube and fitness everywhere on social media, there's just no excuse to not train properly. And that's why when you see people doing partial reps for no reason in the gym, that's why we can't have nice gyms. Okay, a lot of people have been asking me, Mark, is it possible to gain muscle and lose fat at the same time? There are some people out there who will say, this is impossible, it simply can't be done because you can't gain muscle unless you're in a caloric surplus and you can't lose fat unless um, you're in a caloric deficit. And look, I'm not gonna go into the weeds on the science of that debate because I don't know enough about the weeds of the science of that debate. What I do know is there are many advocates of body recomposition who are people I trust, you know, Jeff Nippard, Mike Israetel, Greg Doucette. These are all people who I follow online and, and they're advocates of this being possible. The caveat is it's not the most efficient way to gain muscle or lose fat. If you really wanna lose fat, going into a steep deficit will get you there really quick. If you wanna gain the max amount of muscle, going into a significant surplus, without going crazy, you don't need a dirty bulk and eat an extra 2,000 calories a day, but you can probably gain a significant amount of muscle with an additional 500 calories a day. Roughly speaking, you'll have to experiment for yourself, but I know it's possible to gain strength and therefore muscle mass and lose fat at the same time because I've been there, right? I've done it during different times in my life. Naturally, obviously it's gonna be easier if you're enhanced in some way, but there's gonna be some conditions that probably help that out. If you're detrained, like the first time I did this in my 20s after I played football and I was like, I wanna lose weight, but still, uh, you know, train to gain strength and I was able to do that effectively. I hadn't been training for a few months before that, right? So if you're 
detrained and then you hop into it, absolutely. Or if you've never trained before, you're a newbie, that's gonna be the best time to do those when your body's gonna be most responsive to the resistance uh, training. When you're super advanced, it's like, it's gonna be difficult to gain muscle even in a caloric surplus. So doing that, uh, you know, when you're 10 years deep of consistent training and probably maxed out 95% of your gains anyway, it's gonna be hard to consistently put on muscle while losing fat. But if that's something you're interested in, a good rule of thumb to start with is eating half your calories from protein while being in a caloric deficit, right? So if you're, if you know, for example, when I wanna lose fat, I might eat 2,500 calories a day. That's a little bit on the low end. I could probably get away with it like 3,000 calories for my size. You know, I'm over 240 pounds. If I'm eating 2,500, that's definitely putting me in a deficit. But if half those calories are coming from protein every day, so that's about, you know, 1,250 calories, uh, divide that by four because each uh, gram of protein has four calories. So we're looking at a little over 300 grams of protein a day. It's a lot, right? But I know if I do that, that's going to cause my body to spare my own muscle. If you don't have enough protein when you're in a deficit, your body's gonna eat away at your own uh, uh, muscle to get protein, <laughs> muscle. Um, it's going to use your body's own protein, right? Which is the muscle that is on your body, your skeletal muscle. So that's why in a, in a deficit, you actually wanna jack that percentage up. You don't need to eat 50% of your calories from protein if you're in a surplus, you actually, you know, maybe 30, 35 if you put yourself in any sort of deficit and you wanna hold on to that muscle or gain muscle to recompose your body and have more muscle, less fat, you're gonna to have to jack the protein up. So take the calories that would put you in a deficit, right? Split that in half, calculate how many grams of protein you need, and then the rest almost doesn't matter, right? If you're eating 50% of your calories from protein, you could split it 25 and 25 between carbs and fats, you could um, do, you know, 90% of that remainder with fats or carbs. It doesn't, your body doesn't really care that much. Now you'll have a different response to each one. As an individual, you may prefer slightly more carbohydrates to fuel more high intensity workouts, or maybe you want to uh, feel fuller at each meal and that's more important to you. And, and maybe you're doing more low intensity cardio to drop that fat. So you want more fats to feel fuller and, and the carbs fueling the high intensity exercises aren't important to you. but if you use that starting point, that basic rule, you can probably put on some muscle while losing fat. You just gotta use that basic principle and get the protein in. That's the most difficult part and everything else will fall in place. Boom. Okay, so we got another saucy or not this week. I had a submission from somebody sending in a guy named Zach Rule, his Instagram is Pitbull rule. So I guess this guy thinks he's a pit bull or something. Cool, bro. You know, I'm looking through his Instagram page. He has some great upper body development. I'm not going to lie. Look at him. He's benching four plates with ease. Um, see him throwing some medicine balls. Uh, he's got fantastic pecs, shoulders, gigantic biceps, big beefy abs that are really sticking out and prominent. Um, the only thing that seems to be lacking is I, he just doesn't really have any leg development. I feel like there's just no quads there, no calves whatsoever. Um, it's hard to see, but I just, I feel like his glutes aren't really developed either. Shitty hamstrings. I just, you know, and this is like the classic thing where it's like, cool, you have a really strong upper body, but like, are you skipping leg day every week or what's going on there? And that's kind of one of these telltale signs that people start juicing and they're like, oh, I want to get this massive upper body, but it doesn't like fix the problem, which is you're not motivated to train, right? You don't like doing legs. Well, taking steroids isn't going to fix that. So this guy to me falls in that classic category of a guy who is saucy and he wants to build up that upper body, but he just doesn't have the motivation or ability to train his legs at all. So, you know, all upper body, no legs. Sorry, Pitbull rule. You're saucy as fuck. Hit leg day and maybe come back to me, okay? All right, we got a new segment this week called Help! I'm on steroids! Ah! Which is where I help people who are on steroids and don't know what the fuck they're doing, which is disturbingly common in the fitness world. People will reach out to me 
and be like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I'm like, why? Or how much are you taking? And they're like, I don't know. So this guy reached out to me. He actually was commenting first. And I try to be like, when I sense that people are in an emergency, you know, if you're in a mental health crisis or something like that, I will get on the phone with you. I will, I've talked to people who are like legitimately like, I'm depressed and I can't get out of bed or I, I can't get that first step forward going, it's like, I will take the time to call you. Now, I, until the point where people actually abuse that privilege, um, I'm gonna keep doing that. Being on steroids and not knowing what you're doing <laughs> is a form of a medical emergency to me because I feel obligated to correct that person and make sure they're not really causing themselves harm. So this person reached out to me and told me that they were on testosterone and trenbolone. And I said, how much are you taking each week? Because again, it's like saying like, I drink. Okay, well, there's a difference between taking a shot every week on Saturday before you go out to the party and having, you know, 23 beers a night or else you're gonna get the shakes because you're an alcoholic, right? The world of difference between those two people is the same as saying I take, you know, 150 milligrams of testosterone each week as part of a TRT protocol versus somebody who's, abusing steroids in such a dangerous fashion that, or maybe diuretics too, and, and potentially using insulin without knowing what they're doing. There are scenarios in which it borders on abuse and sort of negligence of uh, proper protocols that you could be in danger. I'm not saying this guy was, but when somebody doesn't know the doses that they're taking, it's a huge red flag for me. So he ends up telling me, you know, that, I believe he's he's taking 150 milligrams of Trembolone every other day. So sometimes it'd be three shots a week, sometimes it'd be four. It equals out to, I think I calculated 525 milligrams. That is too much. If you've never taken Trembolone before, a little bit of background, you can look this up, but it's sort of become a meme, like trend this, trends that. The, 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 the Gaines meme page makes a lot of Trembolone jokes. And you know, there's a joke like, Trend hard, eat clean, Anavar give up. I think people have sort of been desensitized to the power of a compound like Trembolone because of the memes that have been made about it. In reality, it's the most powerful injectable anabolic steroid with some of the most uh, potent side effects, right? So it's like something on the order of six times more powerful than testosterone, milligram for milligram. So if you're taking 100 milligrams a week, that'd be like 600 milligrams of testosterone as far as the androgenic and anabolic uh, potency of that drug. 600 milligrams of testosterone is a high dose, but people, you know, when you hear like, oh, it's only 100 milligrams of trend. Well, it's still as powerful as this, you know, advanced dose of testosterone and it has unique side effects as well. You can get night sweats. Um, this is kind of like the classic, and that's just one of the more mild ones. It'll fuck with your sleep, which can, I think, in turn add to some other elements of this drug, which, uh, you know, include, for example, paranoia. You'll, you'll hear a lot of people who abuse Trenbolone um, talking about how they come up with fantasies in their head, like, you know, that the girlfriend's cheating on them and there's no actual evidence of that. There's it's like a classic roid rage steroid. When people think about roid rage, that's not an, you know, an equal phenomenon amongst individuals or compounds because you can take many anabolic compounds that have a super low androgenicity that you'll never feel any sort of difference, you know, or maybe it's, it, there is a difference, but it's so low as to be undetectable even at high doses of say Anavar, right? A steroid that females use, but Trembolone is a sort of classic compound that's known for inducing actual Roid rage. So as much as roid rage is a myth for some compounds or totally depends on the individual, Trembolone is something that can take a, a person with a pretty even temperament and, uh, you know, make them highly agitated, uh, get them angry in traffic or, you know, make them a violent person when normally that's not part of their character. So I got on the phone with this guy and basically said, look, you do not need to be running 525 milligrams of Tren a week on top of the 250 milligrams of testosterone, which is a more normal dose. But this is an advanced compound. Uh, I would say, unless you're doing a bodybuilding show, because this is a sort of cosmetic uh, drug that people want to get lean, hard, and full while looking dry, um, 
so it does have this effect that can get you looking cosmetically, uh, you know, very dramatic changes in a short period of time. But there are other compounds that can do a similar thing with much less side effects. And I pointed him towards Promobilon, um, which is methanolone enanthate, or uh, a Mastron, which is uh, drostanolone propionate or drostanolone enanthate. These are two um, DHT derivatives, which have an effect that gives you a, a nice cosmetic effect that that's what you're going for. It makes you sort of appear drier, appear leaner, appear a little bit harder, um, but without all the side effects, milligram for milligram, I would say those are the beginner drugs. If you're looking for that effect, do not jump to Trembolone. You could go through your whole life with never doing it and be totally fine, but people have this idea that that's like the first thing they should go to. Don't do that. And also, if you don't know the doses that you're taking immediately, if you can't just recall it, if you have to go check the bottle or ask your friend, you haven't done the proper research to even begin a cycle, right? And if you can't tell me what the side effects are or why you're taking 525 milligrams a week versus, say, 100, which you know would be a true beginner dose of Trembolone, you shouldn't be taking Trembolone. So, Remember, if you don't know what you're putting in your body, you shouldn't be putting it in your body. So if you're on steroids and don't know what you're doing, please hit me up and I'll help you. So happy today to have David Lucas in the studio. I'm out too. Yeah, for our new segment called Be a Better Hater. Be a how better. to be a better hater. I'll give a brief intro to how I know you. I, I heard you on the Kill Tony show right. before I ever met you, right? right? And immediately I'm like, like obviously your standup is great. You do these minute of standups and that's right. why they have you back and you're, you're amazing at standup and I've seen you live a bunch of times. But you and Tony would go back and forth yeah. with, with roasting each other. <laughs> and I just have such an appreciation for that art, especially cause it's like, you're coming from a place when you do it, you're not upset or angry. This is just like a language you speak. I think yeah. you can look at anybody and just come up, not just with a good diss, but like you're super original. Right, right. It's my love language, roasting. <laughs> so that's my love language. Is originality important to you? Like, is that something you think about when you look at somebody to roast them? Yeah, absolutely, it is. And I think to also like um, when 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 you're roasting, if you're a great roaster, it's yeah. kind of like you're painting a picture. Yeah. So it's like that's why I don't really like the traditional like roast battles where like you got to know somebody's history. Right, like, right, because you can look at anybody. Right. Like the one you hit me with that I always remember because people hit me with the same things over and over again, and you told me I look like a muscular bobcat, and I was yeah. like, <laughs> it's, just, it's like a poem, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's accurate because you're like, people will say like, you look like an old lion or something, and it's like, you'll say that 30 times. Right. I think you kind of know intuitively, you're like, mm -hmm. Mark has probably heard this been said about right. him. And I'm gonna hit him with nobody's ever said bobcat before, and muscular bobcat just you know it just caps it off, right? Yeah, mine is uh, either I'm gonna paint a picture about you and make people believe it, like like bro, like I've called Tony Hinchcliffe gay so much on the podcast that people think he's gay, right? Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> but you make you do make it fresh each time, right? right? You're right. not just saying like, hey, and that's why you're gay and you suck dick. Right. Like every exactly. one I've heard from you is something right unique. Like people be like, dog, it's crazy um, that he lets you call him gay. And yeah, like bro, he's not gay. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's just I can make you believe it because of how he looked. Like I right. can make people believe that you have a protein powder fetish. It's <laughs> 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 so good. Like I'm honestly laughing at it because it's like you've taken something. Like you're not just going. You drink a bunch of protein. Right. The idea of a protein powder fetish, right? Like immediately, you are painting a picture because it's like I'm gonna go home and fuck a jar of protein, right? You know right, and cover myself in it, and it, it it creates a whole new movie in your head of what I'm doing. Exactly, that's beyond an insult. It's an observation, right? That is like visual insults that you could kind of allow your mind to have over and over again. I really like animals when I'm roasting people. Yeah, I really like animals because like so many humans look like animals, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like the movie, like, because I used to uh, read the books Animorphs when I was a kid. Uh -huh. And, you know, like, you see the people transition from a human to a certain type of animal. You're like, damn, this motherfucker do look like Right, that. yeah. And it's also, <laughs> it's a great way to, like, 
because you do need to use hyperbole and exaggeration a little bit, but like mm -hmm. there has to be truth to it, mm -hmm. right? And that's one thing where people will come at me on my page and they'll be like, you're 58. And I'm like, but I'm not. Right. Like you can call me old, but it's like, like, am I also 18? Cause that's 20 years the opposite right. way. So, or people will like try to roast me um, where the foundation isn't some truth. You can exaggerate a truth, but if you're starting with bullshit, that's not true that nobody, like if you're saying you look like a rat and I don't look like a rat, yeah. it, it's not gonna land. And it's also about your energy, bro. Like yeah. when people come off ro roasting from like a hateful space, it's not gonna work. Right. It's just, it's like, bro, you're being an asshole. Now I wanna fight you. Bro. Right, cause so. that's the thing, meeting you, I was almost prepared to be like, oh, David's probably gonna be a dick. Right. But you're the opposite of right. that. Like your 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 energy is very calm. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I've seen you get angry. I don't really get angry. No, <laughs> right? So it, that's, I think you also come across as like calm and confident right. and not like entitled. Cause some people were like, they'll roast people when it's like, the barista didn't make their drink. And it's like, you, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's funny to see them go off, but like, you don't go off on people. And no. when you engage in roasting with Tony, for example, when he hits you, you laugh at it. Exactly. Right. To. You're detached from it. And I think that's a great point that like, you can't be taking it too personally or come from a hateful right. space. Cause Thanks. it just, it's a different energy it's from the roasting. Energy. And, and, and the audience will know it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like if you just, if you're just like, you know, belittling somebody. Like, right. You know, like the audience knows that. So it's like, you want to always have whoever you're trying to market your jokes to be on your side. You don't, you don't want them to be like, oh, he's fucked up. Like, right. he's just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause you could, I think there's a lot of situations like I'll see, for example, um, yeah, people in people in comments, bro. It's like, like when I see a good joke, yeah, in my comments, I laugh at it. I right. like it. I might even pin it. Right. But if it's like you just being an asshole, I'm yeah. probably gonna delete you. Like, right. Right. <laughs> like, no, that is true. And I somebody the other day was like I made a decent one that was like, you look like if this person, like if Arnold Schwarzenegger went to get a sex change. It's like I forget what it was specifically. I was like, you put some effort into crap. It wasn't like a 10 out of 10, but I was like, I'll give you like a seven. Like I'll pin that, that's funny. Yeah. Versus people who's like, you're a steroid freak, you look like fucking Caitlyn Jenner and you're stupid and you're ugly and it's like. They should have said you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger's side, baby. You know, Right, something like, like that would be clever, right? It's like, you know, <laughs> mixed with this. But um, you, the moment somebody seems angry, it just, it loses all its power to me. And I, I you probably feel right. the same way. Cause you right. said you grew up and, and you, you were like, oh, I went to these two different schools. We were like, oh, when you went to the white school, people make fun of you? Like, no, in my neighborhood, they my were making fun of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The white kids were nice. Yeah, white kids were nice. <laughs> but so you kind of grew up with this, like, you had to respond and defend yourself. And that's yeah. how you got your reps in for yeah. this. Because now it's like, people could go home and write their shit, but like, it's literally a love language, as you said, because like, you can think of it in the moment. Yeah, where I'm from, you got to know how to roast and fight because, like, bro, you start roasting people where I'm from, and you hit them too good, and too many people <laughs> right. start laughing. Yeah, and get angry. So that's probably something you dealt with, right? Yeah. Is like, and that's also Literally another key is like, if you are engaged in a battle, so to speak, especially on the street, like the goal is to sort of provoke somebody to the point they can't even use their words anymore. Yeah. I try not to just unless you like talking at my show. Like yeah. somebody on the street, like bro, it happens all the time, bro. Like I'm at the grocery store, yeah, and these little kids that watch like the roast me or the kill Tony, or some people even know me from when I was a teenager and I was on your mama, and they'll yeah. pull out their phone, they be like, "Let's go right now." And I'm like, "Dog, like, right, yeah, that's a weird. <laughs> right. It's like I'm not in that mood, and, and I don't <laughs> want to do that because that's another great point that you, I see you do this at your shows, like you're one of the, I think people consider you like, you know, who's in the conversation, the best roaster, whatever, in the region or the country, whatever. They say um, I'm taking Jeff Ross' crown once he retires. I think you're better. Cause he actually went to a show and he hit me with some roasts. I'm like, man, David Lucas would have been like, it was just kind of like, you know, but I know he looked like he just woke up or That's something. That's my but, dog. That's my yeah. dog, Jeff Ross. I know it wasn't his best effort, but I was like, just comparing you obviously. And I'm like, David's originality is really up there. And also you use it at your shows that isn't like your act isn't to go out and roast people. You have yeah. amazing stand up on its own, but you'll use it as a tool of control. Absolutely. Right. If you get out of control, yeah. Of crowd control. Yeah. So yeah. that, and that's another element that makes it like it's not mean. It's like I have to do this in order to like quiet a yeah. crowd because you got Brendan and Chappelle coming up. Like exactly. you're doing a kind of service to like put the room in check. And that's also like, bro, I started comedy in Atlanta. And right. dog, like we used to get it. Like, cause I used to do like, 
like I had I started in urban rooms, so I yeah. started with like Bruce Bruce, you know what I'm saying? Like Tyler Craig, Ernesto. Uh, these are like older comedians back that way. Doodoo Brown. Yeah. Um, Chris Tucker's brother, Dexter Tucker, like yeah. food stamp. So it's like, unless you were already like solidified in their eyes, yeah. they roast you before you go up. Yeah, like an initiation. And they roast yeah. you when you get off stage and they got the mic. No matter how good you do, they roasting the shit out of you. <laughs> so it was yeah. like- And so that's another thing too, is like, this is what I always say to people. There's nothing you can tell me at this point that I haven't heard through playing football, through being mm -hmm. in a fraternity, through being around guys like you. Like the observations have been made. You can put an original spin on it, but like if you're just coming at me to regurgitate something, like right. so when I hear that, I go, nobody can tell you anything that these guys didn't right. already. Like <laughs> the observations have been made. You can maybe put your own spin on it, but don't think like you can hurt David Lucas's right. feelings. I think I think everybody needs to be roasted, bro. Right. Because like, it gives you this self-awareness of like, yeah. this is how the world Everybody needs to be you. checked, yeah. man. Everybody needs to yeah. be checked. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think we deal with a lot of problems in the world if they didn't have this anti-bullying campaign. Like, that <laughs> makes kids soft. Right. I always think about that. I'm like, don't, the anti-bullying <laughs> should be learn how to roast back. You can exactly. defeat the bully by embarrassing him. Man, but this idea that you're going to go tell on him is kind of a soft approach, a right? A bully's not going to fight you. Right. Most times, they're yeah. not going to fight you. Yeah. And a bully's already insecure, so already he's insecure. more susceptible yes. to being roasted. So I, you you would, if you had a campaign, it would teach the victims of bullying how to roast. My daughter knows how to roast. Yeah. How to roast. That's yeah, awesome. She's six. I get <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? All right, we're going to end on that. <laughs> teach your kids how to roast. Teach them. Got David Lucas here. Thank you for coming in. And his six-year-old is going to roast you, so don't even fucking try it. <laughs> we out. Thank you for coming. Yeah, bro. All right, we got another hater of the week for you. You know, I get a lot of haters each week, but again, unless I have some sort of angle into it, uh, a lot of it's so generic and repetitive and boring that it's not even worth bringing up. So if you guys wanna be hater of the week, you either have to be really clever or really stupid. And this just happens to be one that's really stupid. Ooh. So a guy named Deft Eye came onto my page the other day and said, laugh my ass off, the logo spins in like a shitty flash animation from 20 years ago, just so janky and low budget looking. Hope he didn't pay anyone for this logo and that's set design. This whole logo set podcast name and even the content is also painfully generic, all caps. You really think you have original content people wanna see? Or are you just trying to cash in on your six degrees to Joe Rogan? I responded. Did you watch an entire episode or just one of the reels? Because he's commenting on a reel, you know. And he says, no idea what that means. You have no idea what that means? <laughs> Did you watch a fucking episode or not, idiot? Oh, God. I clicked on your stupid thumbnail and had it on mute, but still saw the boring generic ads reclaimed wood set with the little wooden letters on the wall like in a teenage girl's room. Are we not in a teenage girl's room? I thought that was the whole idea. <laughs> Make it like a teenage girl's room. Also, that logo is fucking pathetic, bro. Just con like I see it. Oh, you're so edgy. Uh, so generic, it's bordering on self-parody. Now, that's fine if you have that opinion. However, I didn't design the set. I happen to really like the set. I happen to like the logo. I like everything about this show that other people have done for me with some of my feedback. But... When you're coming to hate on me and you want to get under my skin, you got to do something that's a little bit more personal to me. That's why I asked, have you watched an episode of the show? Because if you haven't, then I don't give a fuck what you think about anything, right? You can criticize anything you want if you've actually evaluated it. Tell me the podcast sucks. Tell me I'm boring. Tell me I'm stupid. Tell me I'm wrong about anything I've said about fitness. That's fine. We can have that discussion. But when you're already triggered enough to come to my page and the only thing you can muster up a criticism about is the logo of the show that I have that somebody else designed, ooh, you're gonna have to hold that L, okay? Here you go. This is the L for you, not being clever enough or insightful enough to have anything resembling a criticism of the thing that I'm doing, which is making a podcast about fitness. So if you're already going, the logo sucks. It's like somebody whooping your ass in a football game and being like, 
I don't like the color of your cleats. Cool. Does that change the score? Does that have any bearing on the game? Because you sound really emotional and like you were desperate to, to say something negative, but this is all you could figure out. So guys, if you're coming to my page, just first of all, know that you're already at a strategic disadvantage because I don't know who you are. You came to my page, you know who I am. And you left multiple comments criticizing something that I don't have any personal attachment to. I like it, but uh, criticize the words that are coming out of my mouth. Try that. That, that, that is a shot that you have. It's probably still not gonna hurt me in any way um, because a guy like this is gonna lack the cleverness to actually break down anything that I'm saying or make fun of it in uh, you know, a clever enough manner that it would hurt my feelings. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying judging by your initial approach, I can tell where you're coming from. And now this guy happens to also be coming back to my page every single day after you know I shut him down. It's like, hey, yeah, are you, are you done yet? Because that's all you have to say is that you don't like my logo, cool. He's come back like four days in a row and that's always the funny part is like, you're coming to my page, tell me I suck. And then I'll be like, cool, anything else? And you're like, yeah, that's why you're so triggered and you suck and you're mad. Am I? Am I though? Because yesterday was the fourth day in a row that you came to leave a comment on my page. You don't follow me, so you had to go in and type in, hello Mark Harley, go to my page, type out a comment, hit send. Oh. Oh, it's an L, it's so many L's. Every time you do it, it's an L and your arms are getting tired from holding all the L's. But you know what? I still love you and I'm so glad that you can validate the thesis of this entire podcast, which is haters are stupid. Thank you, Deft Eye. You're hater of the week. Guys, here we are at the end of another incredible episode, if I don't say so myself. I appreciate every single one of you who's watching and watching all the way through to the end. Seriously, I'm grateful for it. If you haven't hit the subscribe button or liked or left a comment, I'd appreciate that. Okay, what's that? You'll do it if I take my shirt. Okay, okay guys. All right, here we go. One more time, front lat spread, side chest. I'm out. Whoa. Next time we're doing the lower body, fuck it. The dingling is coming out. The dingling's coming out and it's coming for you. Are you ready? Well, then don't watch the podcast next time. But for everyone who wants to see the dingling, tune in next week. Episodes dropping every Tuesday. We're getting it started by the power of Castle Hayskull. I am Kelly Mark